Today's episode of the Back to Back podcast is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimum. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to backtoback.robinhood.com. That's backtoback.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield APY on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome to the Back to Back Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. Lock it in! There's like someone drilling next door to me right now. Can you hear yeah. it? Congratulate them on the deck. This is the basketball buzz. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Logic and reason. With Zach Harper. Oh man, if you put Gordy in Atlanta, we can kiss Waz goodbye from Los Angeles. <laughs> Big Waz. Kristen's beautiful words about pop are the best advertisement for the CIA that I've ever heard in my entire life. Funny, I've seen the machine in the basement of Madison Square Garden turning out $100 bills. <laughs> yeah, this isn't for weed. This is a you know, lifetime achievement award. <laughs> right now, that is I've been wanting to say that for a long time. South will rise again. I'll tell oh you that much. Oh, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you what I think. I, I don't think it's inconsistent. I want to apologize for all the physical and mental abuse the whole time you were here. You've been popped, right? Y- yes. He may have big bones, but he doesn't have big meniscus. What? Why would I wear pants or shorts or anything? Everyone does well when you have good results. Produced by Jade Hoy. My mic on. A lot of women have pictures in the dating apps with Jeff Goldblum. It's enough of a thing that Jeff Goldblum has commented. Right, if they get caught, he gets thrown in jail. Mecca of basketball. Are you making calls for Fred Cat? Because Cat has been killing it. I don't know if he's that good. (laughs) Everybody knows if you go back in time, don't do anything. The ramifications can be quite severe. A journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension. Welcome to the Basket Buds. Is it Basketball Buds or Basket Buds? It's a good question. Should I know this by now? It's Basketball Buds, right? It's a good question. Welcome to the Basketball Buds edition of the Back to Back Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper, joined by Dave DeFour, Wazni Lambre, Mo Dakil. Of course, you got Jade Hoy producing. And we got James Edwards III covers your favorite team, the Detroit Pistons, for the Athletic he did a pop quiz with Markeith Morris. He's written about cookies and some basketball. James, what's going on? Nothing much. Appreciate you guys having me on. Um, been wanting to get on for a while, so it is a uh, an honor and privilege. I appreciate it. How was giving Markeith Morris a pop quiz? Because it was a very fun read. Uh, seemed like a fun back and forth in the moment. Um, how was it? It was fascinating. Like. I had the idea from one of our NFL writers. I want to say it was Aaron Rodgers, or he did it with Aaron Rodgers or some other quarterback where he had them try to name all the uh, receivers that he threw a pass, uh, a touchdown to. Um, and then we were, me and a couple of guys were talking about how we could kind of bring that to the NBA side. And some ideas got passed around and nobody really acted on it. And then I like figured out, well, let me just like ask random questions about somebody's career. And, there's not many veterans on the Pistons right now, at least available ones. 
Um, and Markeith Morris is a guy who's had a pretty good season. I haven't really written anything on him yet. Um, if you've been around Markeith, you know he's hilarious. He's blunt. Um, it, he just seemed like the perfect candidate to do it. And it, it was funny. I actually got a little nervous because last night he got hurt. And if you read the story, I he Mark he's outscored Marcus throughout his career, but it's very close by like maybe 100 or 200 points. And I said, if you get hurt again, you might be in trouble. And then he said, don't say that. And then he asked if he could ball me up. And then he got hurt last night. And I'm like, oh, I hope well, he was no, like trying to, to play. I'm not sure. You knocked on wood. Right? I did like, knock on yeah. wood. And he played a whole game in between that part of the interview and when he got hurt. So I was like, I did my part. If he gets hurt, that's unfortunate. But I hope I don't get balled up when I got to the back. And I, and I actually <laughs> didn't. Uh, we had a good conversation. So I, I stopped sweating at that point. How does he not know his own career high? That was that was interesting to that me. That was, was the like most confusing certain, thing to me. And, and that's what I thought would be funny about it. Like, I don't know if... In my mind, as somebody who, like, I imagine I would know all that stuff if I played. Like, I just, I don't know, just how my mind works. But I guess to be off by a point, he's played so many games. Maybe he's scored close to 35 before, and it, like, all blends. He, like, knew what game it was, and was pretty confident in saying 36, but it was 35. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I would know my career high. Like, I feel like I'd look that up every every year just to double check. Yeah, I don't think that I don't. I mean, maybe I'm off on this. I just don't feel like that's something I would forget. Well, you're a gunner, Zach, so of course you wouldn't forget. I mean, it. Zach, you definitely wouldn't forget it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I couldn't tell you how many assists I have in my life, but I can tell you how many points I've scored. <laughs> no, no, I, I could tell you how many assists you have. Zero. I've you passed passing. before. No, inbounding I, doesn't count. It does count. Also, I do like to throw an alley oop. So that's the only pass I enjoy throwing. Because it's close enough to the rim that it's like, it's almost like a shot. And Mark Keith doesn't pass either. You would think you would know his points. Like right. He's the chucker of all chuckers. It, it, for him to miss it by a point. So I gave him kudos for being that close. But I, I, that's somewhat unacceptable not to know your career high. Other than uh, almost jinxing him into a big injury, uh, what, was your, what was the thing you took away from it the most? How at a point it all probably blends together. Um, and when you're a guy in the midst of your career, like Marquise wasn't close to being done, even though I mean, he's played nine years, that's a long time and he's not close to being done. So I'm sure he's not like, he hasn't reflected on his career. Um, but the, the fact that a lot of those things blend together, there were some, some points and some rebounds. He was just off on, um, some teams that he didn't, uh, he needed some help to get like, it, it makes sense when you, when you kind of put it in context of a guy who's played so long. Another thing that stood out is I wonder if he, and I probably should ask him off, should have asked him off the record. Then I wonder if he liked Blake Griffin before they were teammates. There's um, no way. There's no way. I, in my mind, there's two instances, two instances in the, in the pop quiz that made me think that he probably didn't. Um, I asked him about, he broke up a scuffle between PJ and Blake Griffin. Um, uh, back when he's with the Suns and, and PJ was on the Suns and Blake was in LA. And when I asked him, I, I said, one of your PJ Tucker got in a scuffle with one of your current teammates. That's how I set up the question. And you helped break it up. Who was the current teammate? And once he realized it was Blake, he kind of had like this smile on his face and like he remembered the, the situation and kind of how Blake got punched. And then I asked him later, um, he had a dunk, which I, 
everybody should go look up because I don't know if I've really seen it from like a non like traditional big man. He dunked on Timothy Mozgov off a missed free throw, and he was the low man boxing out. He got up off two feet and and dunked it over him. And it was like, Markeith, you don't think that when you see Markeith, but it was a great dunk. And I asked him if he agreed that that was his number one dunk of his career. And he said, no, because I've dunked on Blake before. And he, there is video. You can find video of him dunking on Blake. But for him to kind of go out of his way to say, no, it was when I dunked on Blake. That was my best dunk. It was uh, kind of telling. I feel like, um, oh, man, there, there was something else in there that really was funny to me. Uh, yeah, the but Jason it, Smith stuff. No, the, the, well, the Jason Smith thing, uh, like that's the one thing I've always noticed about Jason Smith is one is like, oh, he's got a good eighteen foot jumper too. Like he fouls the shit out of people. <laughs> like he fouls exactly. so hard. I think it's the reason he's not in the NBA anymore. Like he was a, he was perfectly fine as like a skilled right. big man, right? But like like he just fouled the shit. I don't think anyone likes him. No, and uh, two things to that. When he got the answer and he realized it was Jason Smith, uh, my hint to him was he, he's a tall Caucasian player, and immediately he knew Jason Smith. Um, he's like, "Yeah, he's a hack and mf I don't. Can I cuss on here? I forget. Yeah, say whatever you want. Yeah, he said, "Yeah, he's a hack and motherfucker." And I heard, and I and I I said to him, "Yeah, a couple of guys have told me that." He's like, "Yeah, he is." But then I was in. We were in D.C. last night. Pistons, of course, lose to the Wizards, and. Um, Fred Katz told me that he thinks Markeith and Jason are boys because they played together in Washington last year. So maybe that's why he felt so, I mean, I don't think you'd care either way, but that's why he said it the way he did. Uh, I I guess I didn't realize that Jason was on the wizards last year. I forgot about that. Um, then the other thing I think you might be talking about is, was it the Derek Williams stuff? Oh, the Derek. (laughs) Oh, that was the thing. Well, yeah, the Derek Williams thing is super funny to me, but also, was my favorite thing is when you, when he's asked the players taken in front of him. I believe the first name he gives is Jimmer Fredette, which of course it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. Wait, he asked what 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 player he was friends with? No, 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 no. Players he was he was drafted or who were drafted ahead of him. Oh, and, oh, J- and Jimmer was the first name Jim. out of his mouth. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't real. I didn't put that together, but that totally. There's something there. There's a hundred percent. So I guarantee everyone in that draft that went after Jimmer, who I believe was the seventh pick. I believe yeah. if you ask any of those guys, the first name will be Jimmer. That's hilarious. And then, the, so the Derek Williams stuff. He said he named everybody, and he didn't name Derek Williams. And after the fact, I think that might have been on purpose because um, he's like I, he named like twelve guys. I said name seven. Yeah. Um, he was picked 13th and I, and he, uh, he said, is that enough? I said, actually just name the number two pick. See if you remember, cause he didn't name him. And he's like, oh, Derek Williams. And he said, I was surprised when they took him number two. Cause I busted his ass. I thought they should have took me number two. <laughs> and I looked back, I just Googled it. Cause I was like, for him to just say that with the like recorder rolling is, is kind of nuts. Um, but I look back, and there's it was either in college or around the draft time. There's video or, or quotes of him saying how Derek Williams is overrated. Like, he's said this in publications before. Uh, so there must be a beef there. Uh, and Derek Williams was also potentially close to becoming his teammate in Detroit. If I'm not mistaken, it was this offseason that they worked him out. might have been last offseason, but I think it was I mean, this he's offseason. not lying about the Derek Williams part, though. No, he's not no, at all. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Adelman hated him. 
Rick Alvin couldn't stand it because he was just like, like Rick Alvin was like, just make a decision when you get the ball. And Derek Williams would catch it and just hold it. And just like, all right, now what do I do next? Like, it was just the slowest decision maker on the court. And it, like, Ad- I think it took years off Adelman's life. Like, he just, he couldn't handle it anymore. And I, and I want to go back and look. I wonder if Kansas played Arizona in college and Markeith went off. I didn't double check that. Or I, I'll ask Markeith uh, next time I see him. But the, there was at a, there was clearly a point in their careers where he busted his ass. So I got I want to find out where that was. There you go. Um, is Derrick Rose going to get traded? So I actually wrote about that. Literally, I just finished it before uh, Jade called and kind of weighing the pros and cons. The thing is, the Pistons have, with the, with the Andre Drummond trade rumors, the the struggling this season, It's they're showing a willingness that they're going to go in a different direction, the direction everybody said they should have been going in years ago. However, nobody has really come out and said it. And you kind of wonder, are they going to try to be good next year? And they're just going to put on this season. Um, so that makes me wonder, of course you should trade Derrick Rose, regardless if you want to be good next year, you're going to get good value back. And then when you hear about the teams interested, all these teams are title contending teams. So you're going to get them to outbid each other. One of them's not going to want the other one to get them. So you could get even probably more value back than you thought. One thing I would say as a reason for Detroit, why they should trade him, and I wrote about this in the piece that's going to come out tomorrow. For years, the owner's kind of fascination and eagerness with being a playoff team has backfired when it comes to team building. You look at it, last year, Blake Griffin was phenomenal. All-NBA won the best 15 players in the league. Everybody who paid attention knows how good Blake was. They had offers. Teams were interested in him last year. And the fascination with making the playoffs, which I believe is from the higher power, kept them from making a deal that really would have kind of relinquished all their problems, financially, uh, roster construction. Instead, they, they chose to go for the eighth seed and make it on the final day of the regular season. And now it looks like they're not going to be able to, uh, until further notice, they're not going to be able to ever trade Blake. Um, You look at Andre Drummond. Now it sounds like they're not going to be able to get a first round pick or a young guy for a traditional center who keeps saying that he wants to be a free agent this summer. So you wonder why not trade him a year or two ago to avoid this conundrum. And again, I think it all goes back to the ownership wanting to be a playoff team. Um, and now you have a chance to, it's, it's not rectifying it by any means. Uh, but the ceiling with Derek Rose is not high enough that you keep, that you keep him. I see scenarios in which you maybe want to, maybe you want to be competitive next year. You keep Rose cause he's a good player still. Um, you want, if you do rebuild, you, you don't want to be full Atlanta where you have just a bunch of young guys losing at like epic levels and, and bad culture. You want to have like competitors there. I get that. But what if he gets hurt? But but this team, so this they're just constantly stuck in the middle, and we know like the path out for a team that doesn't attract free agents is not hanging on to Derrick Rose, right? Yeah, but there's a bunch of teams that are that have done that. Like not everyone is going to be able to pull off a James Harden trade, right? Like the Rockets hung out in the middle for a long time, pulled off the James Harden trade. Atlanta hung out in the middle for a long time, and now they're 
doing what they have to do. I, I think the Pistons really like they've punted on this full rebuild for years, but they can't get out of that, you know, six to nine, 10 range. And I mean, this is the year they should do it. Blake's out. Drummond, you know, wants to test free agency so you can move off him. Just give Seku the ball. That's all I want now. Yeah, just, just, just build around Seku. That's it. That's all everybody wants. And the thing with Drummond that's so interesting, and, and I I wonder if the ownership and front office are worried about not getting – like us basketball fans understand the value in just trading Drummond for expiring contracts. Like you kind of – in my mind, there's a change. I know he's saying he's not going to opt in, but he – if he abs in, he's making $28.7 million next summer. He will mm-hmm. never make that much money in a year again in his career. Any, <laughs> any deal that he gets this summer, you would imagine, unless a team like Atlanta or Charlotte just does something that they probably shouldn't be doing. I can't imagine deal, Charlotte spending irresponsibly, so it couldn't be them. Right, exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing. And maybe him and his representation can see that coming. But you would imagine that any deal Drummond, any reasonable deal Drummond gets this summer, um, he could get the next summer. When there's, while the free agency class is is greater, there's more teams available to sign you. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the day, he has until June that he opts in and the Pistons are screwed, where they have now no financial flexibility and you're basically just running back the same team, which is maybe a reason why you keep Rose if you're going to run back the same team. Um, this is part of why I think that the deadline might not be that that busy. Um, it's going to be a lot of stuff like Portland trying to duck the tax. Uh, this summer, everyone knows the free agency is weak. The draft class is really weak. Uh, I, I could see guys having more value if they wait until the summer to move them. So – you know, a, a guy like Derrick Rose or, I mean, Blake might have a market this summer if, you know, if he comes off the surgery and, and, and is healthy. Like, well, I think that's going to be the interesting thing to watch over the next two weeks. But even if they, but even if the Drummond thing goes into the summer and he opts in and he has that, it's, he's still a guy that they can move next year. Like it's not yeah, or a guy they can move over the, the summer. Yeah. It's not like, you know, you have the entire summer, at least there's no question marks for teams like some teams are going to be afraid to trade for him now because he might opt in or opt out or, or whatever the language is that we're using on that. You know, I think that's the the thing where at least, you know, you trade for him in the summer and you go, listen, he's a one year rental. If this works out great, we'll try to resign him. If not, we're going to have cap space, you know, depending on which team trades for him in the summer of 2021. And I think that's kind of something that's more freeing it almost makes him even more valuable in the summer than he does than it does now well right because no no good teams are going to have cap space the cap space is all like atlanta memphis cleveland uh those types of teams and you watch your mouth about my memphis grizzlies (laughs) so the teams the the teams that actually like are would be in the market for drummond are going to be teams you know more in the not that portland is interested but in the portland vein where we're already you know we're already over the cap our, our ability to to build a team is limited. We're not going to be able to sign anybody because we won't have cap space. Well, this is how you can improve the team. We can go get Andre Drummond. I don't think he's going to improve a team, but that's that's sort of the path that people will take. So he might he might have more of a market than we think in some of these capped out teams. Yeah, and Dave, I think well, I think 
one of the things that's going to screw a lot up, and and I have something coming out on Wednesday about this a little bit with the Western Conference teams, is the fact that there's so many teams in the playoff hunt still. I really yep. think screws things up because I because by now you usually have a list of like. 10 or 12 teams that are buyers or sellers, right? Like definite buyers or sellers and everyone's else figuring out. Like I, you have like four teams whose fate is legitimately decided right now. Cleveland, Atlanta, New York, last and, night. and the Warriors. And even the Warriors might be super active, right? Like we don't know what they're going to do. Yep. But yeah, like I – so I think you have a lot of teams in the middle. So I'm not – look, I'm also terrible at predicting this stuff. I don't think it's going to be an yeah. active trade deadline because so many teams are going to feel like they're in it and i and i think that's just going to make for muddled trade negotiations but yeah like i think i think you'll get you know more deals like a cap deal a luxury tax deal like portland just did yeah I, well and so like san antonio would have been fascinating if they had continued to just lose and now they're they're hanging around enough that i don't see any way we get any sort of different behavior from san antonio i thought we were going to be in a whole new world and they were going to make some moves. You yeah. Know, like move maybe, maybe if they're like five or six back or something like that, they're just like, ah, screw right. it. Like we're but not, now they're, they're half like game. right there. Yeah. They're half game. Right. Um, yeah. so we, we're just not going to get it. So do, we, but all right. Like kind of in the Derek Rose, like Derek Rose might be the, and I don't even mean this from, I mean like just from a player quality standpoint, he might right. be the biggest name that moves at the deadline. Is that, is it only sexy if he moves to like, Philly or the Lakers? I mean, I, I just don't know. Yeah, I don't know who does he actually fit. With I don't the Lakers? think he does. Like, like people he's keep not, bringing he's him not up. Rondo, so yes. Yeah, that's right. Fair. Yeah, I mean, he's better than Rondo, but but at the same time, like, the, what happened to the Darren Collison thing? I think Collison actually well, fits in oh, great. Oh, I do too. But if Collison's not if Collison's not going to make his decision until fe- until late February. If you're the Lakers, like I don't know that you can bank on the idea of like, oh yeah, we're definitely getting Darren Collison unless you know, unless they have like actual information that like, yes, he's just waiting to a certain point and then he is absolutely going to sign with the Lakers. But I don't know that they can take that chance if it's going to cost whatever it's going to cost to get Derrick Rose. Like I think you have to do that, and then you can have Rose and Collison, right? Yeah, like I it means so. yeah, uh, earmuffs this Lakers fan. It means less Caruso on the court, but you can do it. Like <laughs> how dare you, can, you Zach? Like, well, so I, know, issue, I know, I know. Here's the thing about the, the internet, but like. Like, but that's so not Lakers, a bad combination to have off the bench. Yeah, so the Lakers can't trade a draft pick. So they got to trade Kuz. They, they just they don't have any. So Kuzma is really the only asset they have that might have some value yeah. for teams. He just doesn't make much money. No, but you no, but you can package him with Demarcus Cousins to get the to get the contracts right, to work. Right, and then you can add Cousins. Yeah, you can uh, add Bradley. So see, here, um, here's a, it's just like here's the thing about a trading Cousins though. The Lakers' advantage to signing, possibly signing Collison, is because they have the display, uh, disabled player exception. Disabled because player. because of Cousins, they have that money. They have more money to offer than anybody else, I believe, at this point. That between the Lakers and Clippers, at this point, I think you know you trade him, you lose that, and now it's almost a, even more even playing field with whether Collison goes to the Clippers or Lakers because those are the only two teams it seems he wants to go to. So having you, you trade Cousins to try to get Rose, you're almost guaranteeing that, like, hey, we're probably not going to get Collison. Yeah, Collison is almost as, much, has to, almost as much of an Angelino as, as Waz is, right? Like, he's he's you, all about you that. You also, uh, because Cousins signed a <laughs> one-year deal, did he, do at UCLA? he has to approve I've, a trade. I've probably done the same amount, honestly. <laughs> I think he did three years, I think. I got I to gotta double-check that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I just don't know. Like, like James, like what's the, what's the, the rush, is there a rush for 
um, or a, like a I don't even know if panic is the right word. Is there a motivation for the Pistons to get a Derrick Rose deal done? Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. What's the what, why is there this sort of fire sale mentality all of a sudden out there? Even though they do, to me they're doing a good enough job of losing while they have all these players. So what's the actual rush? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, there's two things to that, I guess. For for Drummond, just before I go to Rose, the Drummond thing, I wonder. Like, I'd like to get your guys' opinion when you've kind of made it so known that you're shopping a player. And I know, like you guys said, you could just bring him back. Uh, maybe you trade him this summer. I'm of the belief that I don't know. I think there's do teams want him that badly to trade for him that they think that he tilts the scale. Um, but like they've made it known that they're shopping him. Like, do you can you bring that back next year um, and and not be toxic? And two with Rose. It kind of goes back to what I'm I'm saying. The Pistons have never struck why the iron is hot. And the iron is not going to get any hotter for Derrick Rose than it is now. And you wonder if other teams maybe want to get him in sooner to get him acclimated and figure out how they're going to use him. I, I think, I know a lot of you guys are West Coast based, but like to a team to me that makes sense for Rose is like Boston. Um, they have a lot of picks. They have already have a lot of young guys. Like how many more young guys can you really naturally add to a roster when you're on pace to already be good would they maybe be more willing to give up one of those picks to get rose um who they'll have for two years while they're still contending i just think right now the pistons are probably building competition for these guys um and then once the deadline comes they'll be able to look around and say all right this is what we this is the best offer we have for this guy this guy um and this guy the uh the, the question of, you know, after you've shopped the player and then you, you end up not trading him, you know, you're in that tough situation when you make it publicly known. I mean, just from experience that I've had, coaches tend to just spin the same lie over and over again. Like, no, it's a good thing. People wanted you, you know, and, and you, you, you know, saying that all week. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's listen, I've heard it so many times. I heard it when I was on teams, you know, and I remember just rolling my eyes going like people wanted them. We did not want you, though. We wanted to get you to hell out. And that's kind of what they're quietly saying when the guy turns his back. But, you know, you can always fix those things. That's that's a simple mending fences kind of thing. I don't think it's ever been that toxic. The only time it gets awkward is when you trade a guy and it gets rescinded. Then you're in a weird situation where you're just like, ah, you're back. This is weird. Um and that becomes a challenge there. But I think overall, I See, think it'd I be think fine. you should lean into it then and just say, those are rumors. Like none of that happened. <laughs> fake news. Fake news. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we canceled the trade when we found out it was you going. We canceled yeah, well, the we, trade. We, we found out we were trading you. We canceled it. Like we didn't know. We were like, yo, no, that wasn't part of the. They tried to slip us a fast one on the trade call. We got them though. Don't you? <laughs> don't you worry. Um, but I think that's not really a bigger issue. I want to push back a little bit with Rose fitting in Boston because the last thing Boston needs is another guard. Yeah, you, you know, definitely not. Yeah. At the, the same coming time, back. they play a lot of well, Wanamaker minutes. Like, yeah, you know, man, like that's. <laughs> I can understand why they would. That, 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 like, that's an upgrade for sure. But uh, I'm. But Mo's right. Their biggest weakness is, you know, up front. They need a. They need better big men. I know Cancer was Shaq yesterday, but 
Like, <laughs> they, they got to do something about that. Yeah, but he's position. going against that soft front line of the Lakers, right? <laughs> <laughs> By the How way, there is no like Javale that way. That's the thing was like I'm at the point where I don't enjoy watching anybody as much as I enjoy watching Javale. It's a roller coaster. Like, it's, it's 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 stunning. It's just like feast of famine with this dude. Like sometimes he's making these unbelievable catches near the rim and just flushing it and like it was like wow, like there's only like a few dudes in the NBA who could who could have pulled that move off, you know, pull that catch, pull that dunk off. Um then JaVale's one of them. But then you watch what he's doing against Markel Fultz in the clutch, and it's just like, whoa, bro. <laughs> like <laughs> this is not good. I can't have any McG- uh JaVale slander. He's from Flint. We can't. I'm I'm not gonna allow this. <laughs> no, so I guess no we'll JaVale, just have to let the Monty rest of the Morris. internet do it. So we can't talk about no, well, Monty Morris is good. No JaVale, Monty, Kuzma, or Bridges slander. Please. The rest of the podcast is going to be silent. So we can't talk about Kuzma's fashion or hair. I will say this. Kuzma had some fire Pumas on before the game last night. He did. Oh, my God. Those were nice. Kuzma's hair is a distraction from his poor play, honestly. Smart. It's It's smart. smart. I guess it's smart. It's smart, though. That's what you do. You're like, oh, crap. I went 0 for whatever last night. Cool. I'm going to dye my hair purple. You got to do it. He's diverting from his uh, his mom's spaghetti hair hair color. He needs to get rid of that. <laughs> like that whole Eminem thing needs to go. Oh, but Waz, it's lit. Fire emojis. He's in his bag with his drip and all that bullshit. All the patchwork is <laughs> thrown around. Whatever. That, that's the thing. Like you don't have to pretend just because he's Kyle Kuzma. He's on the Lakers. That he look like that he's pulling a fit off or something like that. That's the thing that drives me crazy. Was like I know you're not doing this, but that like there's certain accounts where I'm just like, come on, what? like we don't have to suck up to every player. Nah, that's just okay? all it is. It's like you can't, you know. Rule number one is to bootlick and and not upset, you know, the important people who are the players. But like a lie is a lie, and everybody can tell that you're lying. Um, Kuzma's basically getting dressed up in a Halloween costume every day, which is fine. Like it's his, it's his own decision, but don't tell me that, that it's drip or so much sauce. Oh my God. The sauce. I think Amin and I were talking about this and it was like, it was essentially like if a parent lets their kids, uh, you know, dress themselves for school one day and they come out and you're just like, well, nope, you lost, you lost that right. Like you're, you've got like rain boots on and like in you know in a tank top. That's it. Like you know you get you got to go back in and try again. Like that's what Kuzma's at at this point, where he's just he's the kid dressing himself for school, and you just got to take over. It can't be that. I'm sorry, James. I don't mean to. No, I'm. Tr- I don't want him dressing like this. That's not how. That's not, <laughs> that's not how Flint does it. Is there Throw a point? A flannel, a hoodie. Why is Flint so good at producing basketball players? By the way, because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> you'll like this james because back at us i was at usc when we had desmond farmer and, and so so another flint guy and his brother tim farmer was our director of ops because you know that's how college basketball recruiting works um <laughs> but like they used to just talk about flint all the time so i got my i got my taste of flint in college and i was like i'm good i don't think i uh, need to ever go visit but question for you at what point do you cut Kuzma out of the Flint circle with how he's dressing. Like how wild does he have to get where you're just like, nah, he's not ours anymore. I'm like, I've tweeted, like I'm getting there. It's, <laughs> it's like the blonde hair is, is really, 
it's tough to swallow, man. It's I don't know what it is. I don't know why it bothers me. Like it's almost like he's like in an '80s pop band from Britain. <laughs> I, it's just it's so not. I don't know. Maybe it's because of I'm from where he's from, and you you just the the grittiness that comes from that place, I guess. And then he's it's kind of like the Big Sean effect. I don't know if if we have Big Sean fans in here. Not a Big Sean fan. <laughs> Never been a Big Sean fan. Yeah. Like I know a lot of a lot of people who I respect love Big Sean and I respect their taste and all of that, but it's just never worked for me for whatever reason. Was it's not a, like it's not a gimmick. I understand. Like just rap to the beat. Yeah. That's the whole point. <laughs> so so there's there's that aspect of it, and then there's like now I live in Detroit. Big Sean, as much as he does for the city, congratulate, like applaud him. He's not a Detroit rapper. So to me, mm. it's like, he's like, he has the, no offense to you, LA guys. He has like the flashiness of the LA, the way he carries himself. It's not. Wait a damn <laughs> To you, LA guys. I think he was addressing me and you, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Two guys that did not grow up in LA, but we'll claim it anyway. Yeah, the one dude who grew up in LA is probably the least flashiest one on the podcast. <laughs> 100%. And I meant that like generalizing. That it, of course. Um, but like he's not, he doesn't have that Detroit aura. He's not Royce the Five Nine, Eminem, Danny Brown, Elzai, like Slum Village. Like you go like the grittiness of it. So he kind of like you kind of dismiss him. Of course, the millennials and all that they love Big Sean and the music he does. But like that's the same thing with Kuzma. He's like starting to drift away from like people wanting to claim him because he's just so extravagant with the way he presents himself nowadays. It's 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 somewhat maddening. The thing is, James, is that it's working, right? Like, the idea of Kuzma as an important or good or necessary or valuable or useful or whatever type of player is, like, this idea of him is so far, the re- so far past the reality of who he is as a player and what he's actually achieved. Like we can say what he want about what we want about some of the stuff that he does off the court, but it's work to, you know, raise the guy's profile and his, 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 his celebrity and all of that stuff. So he's the big Sean of the NBA. We're all agreeing. Yes. Um, very famous. Man. Not very good. That's too much. Kuz, Kuzma slander for me. <laughs> it's just too much. All right. um, Fair. Speaking of, Taking shots at people? Dame Lillard took shots at the Warriors last night. Yeah, that's a good transition. Damian Lillard, <laughs> 61 points. Yeah, it was an overtime. But, man, he had, like, what, 54 going into overtime yeah, or something yeah. like that? And, still an MLK Dame record. Yeah, 61. <laughs> like, in, in, all right, so he took an extra I mean, five minutes and got to 61. I don't care, good. man. Like it's, he, he was hitting wild shots, too. I mean, just – that was, like, a, a perfect Dame performance. If oh you wanted to God, say, man. hey – you can watch one game and then you'll know who Damian Lillard is. Uh, that's yeah. that might be the game. It's that or the OKC, you know, wave bye bye shot from last year. But yeah, that, man, that's still the highlight of his night. career. But like that game last night was just. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they're down three with what like I don't know, like eighteen seconds left, and he's just dribbling on the right wing, and everyone knows he's going to take a three, right? Yeah. Everyone, well, I guess maybe not the guy guarding him. I can't remember if it was Lee or Jordan okay. Poole or somebody, but like they they seemed to not realize it but like it was just you knew he was going to take it you knew he was going to make it it was just one of those nights and look like as bad as Portland has been this year they're 
obviously still in the mix because it's the it's the West eight seed race right now, and everyone except the Warriors are in the mix. Um, but like Dame might just end up being a superhero, guys. Like he might just be that the rest of the season and drag their asses to the eight seed. It's not even that. Like he really rose to the occasion. No CJ McCollum. You know, I mean, he was the only guy scoring. At one point, he was the only Blazer with a three. I mean, he made like seven, and the team was like seven for 38 or whatever the hell their number was. You know, yeah, the non Blazers last night were three of 24 from deep. He was 11 of 20. Like, it's ridiculous. You know, so he really steps up his game and, you know, hits franchise record points. Uh, MLK Day record of points, you know, his new career high. Like, that's just kind of a big time game from him where it's like, he's like, yo, just get on my back. I got you guys. Like, you can't ask for a better performance than that besides him just eliminating teams in the playoffs like he's done the past few years. Yeah, he's been he's been great all season. And that's kind of the, the sad part of this year in Portland, right? It's like Dame has been up to the task as usual, as you know, we've all kind of come to expect. He's been excellent. It's just the team, just the the injury decimation and all of that stuff. It just wasn't going to happen this year, no matter what, but he's been killing from, from the start. And at times he's played like, you know, a top five or six MVP type of guy. Uh, It's just, you know, when Hassan Whiteside is probably on most nights, your third best player is just, (laughs) Uh-oh. It's going to be tough, man. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, Whiteside was all right last night. Dude, that part when he got kicked in the dick, like, he really <laughs> he really acted like, oh, I'm hey. going to die right now. It was a bit ridiculous, I thought. Eric Pascal has never looked more like Draymond Green. Than he's <laughs> on that play. Yo, we got to stop with this Draymond Green comparison. I get it. He's a short forward. He got drafted in the second round. He's on the Warriors. There's nothing else as Draymond Green about him. We got to stop. No, nothing. Why are well, you first, first of all, the guy can score. So that, that, that needs to, right, exactly. That's why you need to end the Draymond comparison. He's still hitting pull-up jumpers, was. Yeah, like. He, he's hitting pull-up jumpers. Dude, he's a bucket. That's, that, that, that's yeah. not ever how you would ever describe Draymond. Wait, is Draymond from Flint? Can we talk about that? James? <laughs> yeah. Uh, nah, he's from where, Saginaw. Where in Michigan is he from? Oh, Saginaw. Saginaw. Okay, cool. That's that's 40 minutes up the street. Um, okay. Yes, yeah, Eric Pascal, who I'm a fan of, bucket getter. Uh, curious to see what his role is when the Warriors are healthy. I think he's obviously a rotation player without question. Um, but he's no, yeah, he's no Draymond Green. We, I agree with Zach. We have to stop that. Michigan State. There we go. That's the connection. Go. Green. Oh, that's the other connection. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There we go. Um, yeah, like he's just you know he's good, but he's just they're just very different players. Exactly. It's driving me crazy. Um, but yeah, Dame was Dame, I like I think was well, I think your point is pretty accurate like he's been so good this year and it still kind of hasn't mattered that's no, where portland is and, and it's well, not I guess like it's mattered it's, to a point B, like they obviously wouldn't be where they are without him he's not he's not like man and and i've watched him two times as they when they came to play the clippers the first game you know he's he's doing the thing where he's trying to get everybody involved and then sort of in the second half he starts becoming more aggressive about finding the shot and then and they got killed um, and then so the second game he was like, all right, let me, let me try to score early. And he did that and he was effective, but it's just like, is the, he can't plug every single hole, right? Like at a certain point, the ship's sinking well, and it's leaking. Well, defense is so awful. Oh, it's yeah. just, oh, man. it's impossible. And not that Dame is like some killer on defense, but he's not terrible. It's just the, the defensive talent is just, it's zero on this team. 
But I also disagree a little bit when we say it doesn't matter. I mean, listen, especially on that day, MLK, like this is something next year they're going to talk about Dave's record. You know, the next time somebody starts scoring and going nuts, uh, when Trey Young, who has 42 in a game, you know, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, and Dame's still going to be up top. And and for Blazers fans, this is going to matter. I think this is something. I I mostly mow that it, it doesn't matter on the season. Not last night. Like I'm just talking about okay. the season. Like his play's been so good, and yet it hasn't really mattered to to the point of like they're still bad, right? Like he's they he's still, a superhero every night, and they're they're still a losing team. Still might sneak into the playoffs though, because like you said, like the West is crazy. If they get Nurkic back, yeah. Zach Collins comes back, like they might be able to kind of make a run because as good as your Memphis Grizzlies have oh, become, oh my is, Memphis Grizzlies, oh my god, I'm a lifelong. Point, at, Memphis Grizzlies fan. I was there for the Bryant Reeves and Sharif Abdurrahim years, guys. You remember that. Okay. Well, uh, besides that bold-faced lie, uh, let's uh, (laughs) – um, but, you know, they can sneak right in. That's a young team that, as good as they've been, at some point might start to falter. You know, last night's game against the Pelicans is a big game. Matters for season series, and – they kind of get their butts kicked until they stay, make a run at the end. So, you know, they could, Blazers can still sneak in. I mean, they just got to hang around right now. What, what was really impressive to me last night is Melo did not mess it up. I kept waiting for Melo to try to get in on the action as the game like was getting down to the wire. <laughs> Come on, Melo's a changed man. Melo's trying on defense. Man. I he's know, trying on defense. He's making plays on defense. He pay, he was getting Dame the ball. I'm like, Melo's going to try to get in on this. I already know. If Dame's going to have <laughs> 55, Melo's going to be right there with 38. And he didn't, and I was impressed. I, w- I would 100% if I'm Melo go, Dame's hot. We're all hot. I'm going to take some shots. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> I was waiting for it the whole fourth quarter. You feel me, right? You know, but he also won them the Houston game or sealed that game. You know, they he hit some big shots in that game. Like, yeah. you know, there's a time where Melo is going to step up. I'm impressed that he's able to know the difference. There was a game early in the year when he when he first came back where he jacked up a bad three in crunch time where I remember just going like you could see it. As soon as he caught the ball, that thing was going up and it was not going to go in. So he's slowly learning a little bit. He's kind of fitting into that role. I'm not going to tell you again. He knows how to play basketball. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, and and you guys will be happy to hear back from my crack reporting, um, you know, meaning I, a texting with three Nick fans. Uh, <laughs> they've they've resorted they've resorted to calling the Portland Trailblazers we now. I'm not making this up. Wow, I'm not making this up. Last night they've I saw we text about <laughs> oh, the Blazers. No. Because Melo plays there now. It's 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 such a sad and pathetic state of affairs in the in the big apple right now, dude. Oh, that's they're sh- really taking that we not me clippers slogan <laughs> to different levels. Listen, they gotta get hope somewhere, man. I'm not mad at Knicks fans if they're gonna try to latch on to another team for a little while until uh they find a way, if ever. To get back in the What's promise? more hopeful, though, the Knicks or Detroit? Not to get back on Detroit. <laughs> the silence oh, is funny. <laughs> yeah, no, like I, I, I'll just pass. Pass. Like, and that's not even somebody that covers it. At least you look around, and there's like, for the first time in a long time, there's some interesting young guys. I mean, Seku, people, have, I don't know how many people have actually paid attention outside of Detroit. But for the youngest guy in the draft to have the start that he's had, um, 19, six foot nine, just turned 19, he's been 
for once for this organization, um, a, a kind of bright light. I know people like to hate Luke Kennard because he was drafted before Donovan Mitchell, but before he got hurt, he was averaging 16 points a game, shooting 40% from three on six attempts a game. Like, oh, he could, Luke can play. He's just not Donovan Mitchell. That's the thing that's going to hang over him. No, right? for like, sure. But he's good. Luke Kennard he's is like legitimately good. good. I yeah. like him. And, and, the, and, and, Obviously, you guys know that, but there are, the general fan base does not understand that. Um, it was still, I guess, a miss, and in, in given the context of the situation, but he's still a good player. And then you look, yeah. I mean, this is kind of deep cuts, but like Christian Wood's a good player. Uh, yeah, he's Bruce, good. Bruce Brown yeah. has kind of cemented himself as, as, as one of the better on-ball defenders in the NBA. Who do you look at in New York and like you're confident that they're going to be a good player? I'm out on Kevin Knox. R.J. Barrett, obviously, it's it, the potential's there and the verdicts there. I like. I, I think R.J. is really good. I yeah. think R.J. is really, really good. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I like him. I, I like him, but obviously, you want to see uh, w- what that materializes to with a better team around him. I like Mitchell Robinson. Um, yeah, all. But the thing about Mitchell Robinson is basically like all he has to do is not become a complete and utter hack. Right, like stop hacking guys, and he'll be and like you know you can see the vision of of what it would take to for him to become a useful starting NBA center, right? Um, and and of course, yeah, there's RJ, but the rest of those cats, mm, I'm I, I'm not seeing it. It's I mean, not, they, they have no point guard for no, sure. They don't. It's yeah, they, it's apples. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about the Knicks. I don't want to talk about the Knicks. Let's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, are the Rockets in trouble, guys? Dave, feels are you like worried it. about the Rockets? Feels like it. It feels like it. Uh, James Hard goes one for seventeen last night from three. One for seventeen. Although, you know what? Like a lot of people are criticizing. Once you're one for fourteen, you got to feel like the next one's going in. Oh yeah! If you stop, you beat yourself. That's the Kobe thing, exactly. right? Um, yeah, yeah I don't know, man. Thing, yeah. They're they're struggling, and uh, it's pretty clear that they've got you know a little bit of an odd fit on the court. Uh, Russ kind of kills a little of what Harden wants to do because the defense can just help off of him. And so, you know, it's not it's not Harden, a big, and shooters. It's Harden, a big, and Westbrook. And uh, it just isn't isn't working right now. Yeah, well, that's the confusing thing to me is that Westbrook's actually playing pretty good right now. Yeah, he's now. playing way better now. But it just doesn't do anything for them. Right, like maybe maybe that's too it's simplistic at the of a expense of the better player playing worse. Right. Yeah. I well. Yeah. That's. I guess that's the thing I've struggled to figure out is like, is he having to pick it up and play better because James Harden, you know, has struggled a few nights, or is James Harden struggling because Westbrook is on and there's just a different rhythm to it? I, that's what it feels like to me. Um, okay. And, and so, you're like, you're more impactful player is being made worse in order to make, you know, the less the lesser guy better. I mean, Mo watches right. these has watched these guys as close as anybody this year. It, it it's, I kind of trust Mo's take on it. It's just a matter of and I, we kind of saw this coming from the beginning of the year. Everybody was saying, "Hey, Russ has never played with this much space. It's going to be amazing." And I was kind of just looking at the flip side, going like, "Man, Harden hasn't played with this little of space in a long, long time, and that's going to be right. an adjustment for him." So as everybody was praising, like, "This is going to be Russ's chance," you know, 
shooters finally around him, I'm like, yeah, but that's another guy when Harden has the ball, it's going to be a problem. And I kind of just want to, I mean, it's not just this performance. It's just, this wasn't a one-off. I mean, we've seen one for eight from Harden. We've seen two for 18. We've seen so many different games where he shot so poorly from three. It's almost staggering where you're like, wow, this is really something else. And it's, this is a whole adjustment for him. It's so different with, Listen, you can't tell Russ to stand in the corner like you could CP. Now, Russ right now is a better player than CP, you know, just in a, in, in a vacuum right now. Uh, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%. Just, just, just when you look at it. Oh, yeah, it, not it, in that role. Not but in, just but as this a isn't player. the role, yeah, yeah. but CP's yeah. better fitted for this role than Russ. Right. So I think that's kind of the way you look at it because you can tell CP, stand in the corner. When we kick it to you, knock it down or make a play. You know, when you give it to Russ, it, teams aren't closing out on it. And you're just they're just going to let him like we'll live with that. And there's going to be a game where he shoots it well from three. But most nights he's not. And you're just going to live with that. Well, so, man, I know I know we talked about this a little bit, but um, especially in the summer and, and leading up to the season. But I was astounded by how many like literally everyone I talked to around the league, executives, coaches, scouts, whatever. After the Westbrook trade, they all said this is not going to work. And to me, I'm like, all right, you can't find one, I can't find one optimistic person that's just nope. like, yeah, I can see a scenario in which, and it, and it was just like, it blew me away because there is so much talent there, right? But at literally every single person was like, there's no way this works to where the point where I was talking myself into it because I'm like, all right, not like this is crazy. Like these are still, still two MVP caliber players. Like there's got to be something here where there's a, like, you know, there's one scenario in a million where this does work, and like no one bought it. I I hated the move from the start just because Russ can't shoot. I didn't like, like it e- at all. Yeah, I didn't like. like I didn't love it either. But I, I still, bit. I still like. It's just crazy to me that no one I talked to was like, yeah, maybe. And then when you think about, all right, you know, you got to take the ball out of out of Harden's hand, right? To make if you want to make Russ more successful, he needs to have the ball in his hand. But it's like you're taking it out of James Harden's hands. Right, who's one of the best, if not the best, on ball players in the NBA? Like he's at his best. The team that he plays for is at their best when he has the ball in his hand. So you're taking the ball out of that specific guy's hands, and it's like, how is that supposed to be some optimal trade off when James Harden is just a much better player than Russ is to me at this point? Right, better shooter, better passer. Better at finishing around the rim. Like I, I don't, I don't know why this was supposed to work. Even if you do the whole, oh, we're going to stagger their minutes, let Russ have lineups and 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 minutes to himself so he can get his stuff off. That's cool. But in the playoffs, your play, your best players have to play at the same time. Like Russ has to play thirty five minutes a game in the playoffs. And, um, you know, he's going to have to share the court with James Harden and figure out a way to be effective. And I don't think we've seen that so far this season. And this is where my problem for the Rockets really kind of lies in, you know, when Russ does have the ball, run something, get hard and moving a little bit, run some pin downs and get hard and some right. easier looks. You know, there was a play. It was very early in the Portland game and I was stunned when I saw it. But like Harden actually back cut his man and Russ hit him for a layup. And I was like. God, like you see how easy that is? I don't remember you, the last time he did what, that. Yeah, but I mean, to me, that's a that's a hardened thing. No, yeah, right? but I right. think that's part of the whole. Th- this is where when the Rockets basically built this entire team around Harden, 
and said, this is how you got to, this is how we want to play from now on. It's hard to go back to that. And I think this is, this is the mistake having that ISO, which is devastating. And he's a killer in that is, sure. is, is amazing, but you got to be able to go to other different things. Like this is what we'll, when we get closer to the playoffs, we'll talk more about, but like, for me, you got to have different ways to play. If you play one way, trust me, as a video coordinator who has to do playoff prep and has to, you know, sleep in the office for three straight nights, I want you to play one way. I want to play the team that plays one way because that's so much easier for me to kind of scout and diagnose and put yeah. put a game plan together. When you have a situation where when this guy's in, they play this way. When this guy's in, they play this way. When he's off the court, they're going to do this and this and that. And you just start dizzying and it, it's just too much to cover. But this is what's been the Rockets problem is they've been very much not just heliocentric and just centering it around Harden. They've only played this one way. And that's become the issue now. And now Harden's not going to make those cuts. He's not going to move. He's just going to go stand in the corner or, or, or stand near half court so that they could play four on four and kind of create that advantage. But it's just like, dude, it's not going to work down the stretch, and especially in the playoffs. And that's their biggest issue. Well, that was the problem with the Bucks to a certain extent last year against the Raptors, right? Is like they didn't want to make an adjustment. They're like, nope, this is how we play. And the Raptors are like, okay, we're just going to go to this one, two, two zone against Giannis and throw a bunch of guys and they're like, okay, Giannis will beat it. And they didn't, right? Like they only played one way. Now that one way is really good. And the Rockets one way is really good, but you can't be stubborn like that, Dave. Like you just can't. Yeah. I look, look at people like to compare Luca to, to Harden. But if you look at what Carlisle does with Luca, I mean, it, he just gets to move without the basketball so much more. And like you said, maybe this is a Harden thing. Maybe Harden just isn't going to do it. Uh, I don't think that's great. <laughs> Clearly, it, it, they're they're struggling with it, and uh, when you've got a guy like Westbrook, who can be so effective with the ball in his hands, and is a really good passer and willing passer, I, I just think you've got to get Harden to play ball a little bit. I mean, Harden is yeah. clearly the better player, but this team is this team, and now you've got to work within the constraints of the team. Harden's got to play a little bit off the ball. He's got to move some. Maybe post you- up a little bit. And and you know what I think is gonna gonna screw them up is they'll go on a run where they win like eight nine in a row. Yep. Right. Like that. And it'll and it'll ah see you guys are just being haters like all this and, and it'll look like everything's fine but there's no consistency to me with this and and like we haven't even got into this team's defense. Rocket fans calling people haters. Anybody. I've never. I have yet to hear that. <laughs> that has never happened. It's not heard that once this it's season. A media, it's a media narrative. God, God shocking. You heard that. Shocking. But like well, we all got together for the big media meeting uh, back in October, we decided, hey, Rockets, we hate them. But you know, I get the, my talking points in the in the email every morning. Right, exactly. That's oh, mine didn't come in yet. Has have we? Can somebody forward that to me so I, I know what we're talking about? Um, but the big thing too for the Rockets, they're in a tough stretch right now. Starting from the Laker game, they don't have two consecutive days off until the All Star break. I think it's. 14 games in 25 days. Uh, they've already yeah, started 0-2 in that stretch, and they're not easy games. They got the Lakers yeah. again. They have, uh, I think, Denver twice, Utah once or twice. Like, they got some real tough games in that stretch, and I'm just like, this is really where we're going to find out what they're about. And they're already beginning to crack under the pressure. They had a team meeting after the the, the loss to Portland. Had a super long video session after losing to the Lakers after having a big lead in the sec, in the, going into the second half. And I'm just saying, like, as a guy who's been in a lot of those meetings, those never help. <laughs> they don't. Mo. Mo. Yes, sir. 
my bad about not getting you the rundown. However, I would add you to the group chat, but you're a green guy. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to stay green for life. I don't I need more group chat. You're going to stay out of that chat. I don't need more group chat. No, you can't sacrifice the chat. Absolutely not. I don't need more group. I do not need more group chats in my life. I, I, I am. Everybody- That's true. He has a family royal wedding chat. Going oh, my right God. Now. The WhatsApp in my, for my family has been nonstop royal family. I don't even know. What, I've muted the family. I've missed at least one family dinner because of this. Like It's, it's just because I can't deal for two weeks. It's been nothing about nothing nonstop but harry and and megan and megxit and this i i'm, I'm over oh my, God. my wife my I, wife well, does I, that I, I can't believe the brothers are fighting <laughs> yeah, like, what, are, what are we doing like which brothers what are we talking about um i'm glad you brought up family guys because lebron james we'll end on this lebron james goes to his son's game um where was it in Spr- was it in springfield Springfield. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it's in Springfield, right? And then he drives to Boston a couple hours or something like that. I don't know how far that is. Geography, some kind of geography. And uh, and then plays in the game against the Celtics, and they get destroyed. And he says, you know, I'm not putting this, uh, putting anything above my family. Do we have a Vince Carter graduation game seven situation? Now, normally I would say the stakes are too low for this game, so no, but it is LeBron, so it raises the stakes. I don't know, man. It sounds like LeBron was looking for an excuse. Oh, I, like you just got beat. Okay. It's fine. All right, it's fine. Like I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't get why it even came up. Waz, will he be scheduling games during the playoffs for his son's basketball team so that he has a built-in <laughs> excuse if they lose? Yes, of course. I'd be doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, you know, it's fine. Will this, but no, but but seriously, will this actually be an issue, or is this just going to be a talking point tomorrow, today, and tomorrow because we don't have anything else to talk about? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's it's you know, it's late January. I think that's kind of you know the, the what we can point to for for this even really being something that's talked about. Yeah, like, last it. year, last year we had the Anthony Davis trade rumors to kind of right. or trade demand to like carry us in late January. This time we have LeBron went to his kids' game and, and Derek Rose. And Derrick Rose, right. But not yeah. even that. This is also bad timing because literally we have no NFL games this week to talk about. So this is just kind of like they need to fill Don't we have the Pro Bowl? Like I said, no NFL games to really talk about. And, you know, so now it's just filling news. Now it's like, oh, we don't have NFL for two weeks. Like, we'll do some Super Bowl talk or whatever. But this is bad timing on that part for, him, for it to happen to him because now he's just going to get hit with this stuff nonstop. Thankfully, Dane went for sixty-one last night. Otherwise, it might have, it might have, we might not have been distracted enough. I was going to say, I was going to say, the NBA's ratings are down because the Pistons have dominated the news cycle since the turn of the new year. Yeah. Andre Drummond That's how trade you know rumors, Derek Rose, Derek Rose trade rumors have been the only thing people want to talk about. Oh man, free someone else's trade rumors. That's what we need right now. <laughs> Um, all right, that's going to do it for this edition of oh, – I already forgot what it is. Basketball buds or basket buds? Basketball buds. Exactly. Basketball buds. For the, exactly. <laughs> for this edition of the Basket Buds slash Basketball Buds podcast, thanks to James Edwards, Mo Dakiel, Wazney Lambert, Dave DeFore, Jade Hoy. I'm Zach Harper. Thanks for subscribing to the pod. If you don't, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do subscribe to The Athletic, thank you. Keep subscribing. Throw some comments in on those on those articles. If you don't subscribe to The Athletic, what are you doing? We're, it's the best coverage you can get in 2020. You can read pop quizzes and everything from James Edwards III. That's what you got to do. Subscribe to The Athletic, and thanks for listening.